In our second scripture, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. This is 2 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 6 and 12 to 18. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. God has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. Thanks be, Thanks to, God. be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks, Thanks be, to, be God. to God. Please pray with me. Loving God, draw us near to you that in the experience of your word, we might become your word of loving care and tender mercy to bless the world you love. Amen. So thank you, choir. That was beautiful. Oh my goodness. Today, we are setting a whole Sunday aside to think about and honor the important role that deacons serve in our community. Deacons, those faithful folks elected to lead our care for each other. Now, the Presbyterian Church, in what we call our Book of Order, describes the role of deacons like this. The ministry of deacons is a ministry of compassion and serving. Sharing in the love of Jesus Christ for the poor, the hungry, the sick, the lost, the friendless, the oppressed, those burdened by unjust policies and structures, sharing in Christ's love 
for anyone in distress. The deacons lead us in that. So I have a bold thesis for this sermon. If you want to experience the glory of God, look to what deacons do. If you want to experience the glory of God, look to what the deacons do. And let's dive right in. Let's turn to this scripture from Paul's letters to the Corinthians, which has deaconing at the heart of it. Now, that may not be clear at first, so a bit of background. What we have in 1st and 2nd Corinthians is a collection of letters. Letters back and forth between the Apostle Paul and the community, probably a house church, uh, that he helped form in Corinth. Paul is traveling the known world, the Mediterranean world, with urgent good news of God's love for us in Jesus Christ, and he is on fire. As he goes from city to city, he stops for a while, helps a community to come together around that life-changing good news. He lives in the midst of them, sometimes as long as a year or so, and then he moves on to the next town. But the Apostle Paul stays in touch by these letters. Paul and the communities writing back and forth to each other in 1 Corinthians, the Corinthians have written to Paul with a long list of disagreements that they have with each other. And Paul responds, writes back, responding issue by issue. In 2 Corinthians, we have what we think are several letters that have been pieced together, letters that reflect disagreements that the Corinthian community has with Paul with the apostle himself. Something has gone badly wrong. They've had a falling out. It appears that Paul's opponents have been traveling behind him, trying to undo his work. They've shown up in Corinth, and they have trashed Paul and everything he's teaching, and the Corinthians have turned away from Paul, away from the life they've shared in Christ. Even before he wrote the scripture that we have this morning, we know that Paul wrote something that's called his tearful letter. That's what he calls it, a letter full of tears. He is just distraught over their disagreement, and he has poured that out in these letters. What he is most upset over, though, is that they seem to have forgotten everything that they've ever known about Christ. Paul's opponents have them so stirred up that they have forgotten the experience of God's love that we have in Jesus Christ. They just, they just aren't living the abundant life that we're given in God's new creation in Christ, and they're missing out. In this morning's scripture, Paul is trying to mend what's been broken to recover what's been lost, to help them remember. And so ever so carefully, Paul points them back, points them back to Christ. Remember, he points them back to how they have experienced Christ in the life they've lived together. And so Paul writes, what do you need? Do you need a letter of recommendation from me? The best and the only letter of recommendation I have is you. You are a letter written in Christ. God's love written not on tablets, but written on human hearts, written on your hearts by all the serving we have done together by our life together. Christ as near to you as that. He writes, remember, we didn't used to think like that. Remember Moses and his experience of God. When Moses came back down the mountain, the glory of God shone so brightly in his face that he, he had to put a veil over his face. 
The people couldn't handle an experience of God that direct. There had to be a veil, something to mediate the human experience of God, but now. But now in Christ, the veil has been removed. In Christ, we experience God face to face, the glory of God face to face. We do that, Paul writes, in our ministry together. We experience God, the glory of God, in Christ, in our ministry together. Now, ministry, ministry really isn't a sufficient translation of the Greek word there. Sometimes the word is translated as ministry. Sometimes it's translated as service. Um, I'm actually going to put the word up on the screen. We're going to have a little Greek lesson here. So there it is. There is the Greek word that we are talking about. This is the verb form diakoneo, and do you kind of see it there? The little, the little V there is actually an N. That's the Greek letter nu, so think of that as an N. Um, but this means, at its most basic meaning, it's serving at table. It's bringing someone food. It's supplying the needs of another. This is the noun form, diakonia. It's what's translated as serving or ministry. And this is the one who does that, diakonos, the one who serves, the one who deacons. It also has the sense of representing somebody else. You're, you're serving on behalf of someone else. And there's the word we know, deacon. Do you see it there? Do you see those D's? Those D's, and then there's the, the A and the, the K sound, the K or the C and the N, deacon. This word, this deacon word, this deaconing word, it is the loving care and the tender mercy that we extend to one another. It's the loving care and the tender mercy that we extend to one another in the life we live together in Christ. When Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law and she gets up and serves the disciples a meal, that's the deaconing word. She deacons them. After Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted, when he's worn out and spent, the angels come and minister to him, tend to his needs. That's that's the deaconing word. They deacon him. The women who are traveling with Jesus, supporting his ministry financially, that's the deaconing word. They deacon him. And remember last week when the disciples are arguing at the Last Supper and Jesus stands up and says, I am among you as one who serves. That's the deaconing word. Jesus says, I'm among you as one who deacons. When Jesus says that the leaders among you should be like ones who serve, that's deaconing. They should be like ones who are deaconing. 
the Apostle Paul writes to the community he loves in Corinth, and he says, you are a letter in Christ, a letter written on our hearts, a letter written in all the ways that we have ministered to each other, in all the ways we have served each other, in all the ways we have deaconed each other. Do you remember that? In Christ, the veil is lifted. In Christ, God has given us this gift of serving each other, of deaconing each other, and in it, it is in this deaconing each other that we see each other face to face, that we see God face to face. If you want to experience the glory of God, look to how we care for each other in tender mercy. Look to how we deacon each other in Christ. If you want to experience the glory of God, look to what deacons do. And we know what that looks like. We know what deacons do. We experience what deacons do in our life together here all the time. Maybe, maybe freshest in our memory is that memorial service for which we gathered yesterday. We gathered together to give thanks for Ruth Sempel's life, to surround her family with love, and to claim together the sure promise of resurrection that we have in Jesus Christ. And after the service, the deacons provided a reception. They do this for every memorial service. And that doesn't happen in every church, I'm going to tell y'all. It is astonishing to me. Every time, every time we have a memorial service, the deacons reach out to the family and they ask if they can take care of the reception and the refreshments afterwards. They love the family like that. Quietly setting out cookies and punch and cleaning up after. Deaconing. You may know, as Patrick described, each deacon has what we call a flock. They've taken the list of our congregation and made sure that every family has a deacon, someone in the church who knows our name, and the deacon checks in from time to time. This Sunday's Meet Your Deacon Sunday, so after worship, during coffee hour, you can meet your deacon in person or online. Mary Catherine will be with folks. I remember those, those first days of pandemic that seems like ages ago, but do you remember? We were thrust suddenly into mandated sheltering and isolation, and we had to figure out how we could stay in community with each other. How do we keep in touch? And the deacons stepped up. Mary Catherine sharpened up the phone list and the email list, and they set out to get in touch with their flocks, with every person reaching across and transcending these new barriers that were keeping us apart. Deacons provide meals. When folks are sick or recovering from a hospital stay or spending their days at the hospital caring for a loved one, the deacons take meals to their homes. Deacons help provide transportation for those who can't get to a doctor's appointment or to church. Every Sunday, there's what's called a door deacon. Whether you know it or not, you pass them by every Sunday. It's a deacon who watches at that front door, watches the curb as people arrive to see if anyone needs help getting out of the car, and they help them make their way into the church. You've heard me talk in worship about the collection for the deacons fund. The deacons administer the collection that's taken up, they receive requests for help, and they provide financial support when folks are having a tough time meeting ends meet, when an unexpected expense comes their way. 
Deacons provide Safeway gift cards that we have in the front office so that when someone just comes through the door asking for help, we can provide them immediate support. And those are just the regularly scheduled things the deacons do. The deacons also improvise, responding to the questions that arise in the course of life. Is there any way you can help me with this? We're so glad to have Pat Perry back in worship. Um, and just a, a few weeks ago in worship, you may remember I asked, said, said that the deacons were asking for volunteers to go over to Pat and Mike's home and help move furniture to get it ready for Pat to come home after, after three months in the hospital. Now, I am told that a good number of people signed up on the Tuesday before Pat came home. The deacon team just swooped in and moved the furniture and made sure everything was in place, that Pat had a place near a window. And they did all this in about 30 minutes. And now Pat is settled in back home and here with us in worship. Maybe you have received a prayer shawl. I've got mine here. Um, knitted by folks in the church. This one was, um, this one was knitted by Phyllis. Uh, but these are knitted by folks in the church and then provided by the deacons during a time of need as a sign of our community's prayers. You are wrapped in our community's prayers. The deacons gave me a prayer shawl like this to take to my dad was when he was in the hospital. Elizabeth, you're, you made this one. Uh, and so I took the prayer shawl to him, and it was never far from him, keeping him warm or within reach. My dad would talk about it now and then and, and show it to visitors, a reminder for him that people were praying for him, not just his church family in Florida, but his church family in California. It is a tangible, tender mercy you can touch it and feel it. It's gentle warmth, a reminder of persistent prayers, an embodiment of the love of God we experience in each other. The glory of God, knit by human hands, a soft and welcoming shelter, for hard and challenging days. If you want to experience the glory of God, look to what deacons do. The Apostle Paul writes to the community he loves in Corinth and the challenge of their world and the challenges of their life together. He speaks of deaconing, of serving, of ministering to each other, all the loving care and tender mercy that we extend to one another in the life we live together in Christ. And he speaks of the glory of God, the very quality of God that draws forth our praise and gives us our life. In Christ, the veil is lifted. In the life we live in Christ, we see God face to face. We see each other face to face. And then Paul writes, and we who with unveiled faces are reflecting Christ's own glory, we are being transformed into the image and likeness of Christ, the love of Christ alive in the world, in our flesh 
and bones. This is Deacon Sunday, a time to reflect on and give thanks for what deacons do, all the ways they lead us in our life of loving care and tender mercy. So after worship, if you're here in person, go out on the patio and meet your deacon. If you're online, spend some time with that amazing deacon, Mary Catherine. Share some encouragement and refreshment. Share some loving care and tender mercy. And then, and then as we move out into the week, maybe go do some deaconing of your own. Extend a kindness. Give someone you haven't seen in a while, give them a call. Speak up for those who are hurting from oppressive systems. Set aside some of your privilege to lift up those who've been held low. Pray with those who are ailing. Take time to see each other face to face. And we, who with unveiled faces are reflecting Christ's own glory, we are being transformed into the image and likeness of Christ, the love of Christ alive in the world, in our flesh and bones, to bless and to heal and to set free the world God loves.